0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is a special podcast we put together for you to enjoy on Sunday. has some of the best interviews we did on the radio show with some really terrific guests that come on daily. You can hear these live during the week on your local radio station or at Bongino.com. Find out where you can listen to the show. Go to our Bungino.com website and just click on Station Finder. It's that simple, and you can always listen at the website, of course. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go-bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black in two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival, and while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. First up, today's interview with Molly Hemingway from The Federalist. She's got a new book out called Rigged about how the media, big tech, and Democrats meddled in the 2020 election. Don't miss it. Check this out. This story of how the media unnecessarily divides us, I think, is the biggest story of our time. Really, I don't think that the country, 30, 40 percent of the country are genuinely dumb people. I don't think that. So you have to ask yourself, why do they believe the things they believe? And the answer is because they're told it often and isolated from the truth. That's why. Someone who doesn't lie to you and tells you the truth is uh, Molly Hemingway, senior editor at The Federalist, who has a terrific book out, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech and Our Democrats Seized Our Elections. And might I add everything else too. Molly, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
1: It's great to be here with you,
0: Molly. You are a genuine media professional. You know how it works. You called at the last second. Which i love because i do the same thing you've done so much media you know they say call it one it really means 105 with 30 seconds and i like the way you optimize your time very strategic and i gotta say right jim she cut it right up to the end i'm super impressed you're one of the best your book rigged how the how the media big tech and the democrats seized our elections it's been flying off the shelves it's a big issue uh and the media narratives about the election molly are crazy i mean when you ask common sense questions like hey what happened in pennsylvania with the last-minute unconstitutional changes to election law, all of a sudden we're conspiracy theorists and crazies. Even though Hillary Clinton still thinks she won the 2016 election, your, your thoughts oh, on exactly.
1: that? Exactly. That's why I wrote it. I was appalled how, after the election, even though we all experienced it as the weirdest election of our lifetimes, with all the changes to the rules and the processes and the mail-in ballots and the Zuckerberg funding and everything, you weren't allowed to notice it or say anything, and that just struck me as deeply suspicious. And so I knew I wanted to look into it and figure out what actually had happened. And I'm really glad I did.
0: What are some of the highlights of the book? We're talking to Molly Hemingway, author of rigged, How the media, big tech and our Democrats seized our elections. What can we expect in the book? Things we'll learn in there, because I think we're all suspicious, Molly. And and it's the most American thing we can do is to ask questions. I mean, we had an unprecedented, at least in modern times, pandemic an election with millions of mail in ballots with counties that had very little experience with mass mail in ballots. Florida has a lot of experience with that. Therefore, their election went off. Pretty well. So what can we expect to find in the book? Because a lot of people are still really concerned about this, given 2022 being right around the corner.
1: So I tell a lot of stories, detailed, substantiated stories, mostly focusing on Georgia, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. But at heart, it really deals with two big issues. And the first one, which kind of blew me away, was the role that Mark Elias played in corrupting our elections I had been following Mark Elias because he was the guy who created the Russia collusion hoax in 2016. He right. was Hillary Clinton's general counsel. He's the one who paid the people to make up the Russia story. So I'd already been following him. I had, couldn't believe what a big role he played in corrupting our 2020 elections by enacting hundreds of changes uh, of important election integrity laws, you know, flooding the zone with the mail-in ballots. We had such, we had like a more than threefold increase in the number of mail-in ballots. And it was just like you said, done very sloppily. And then the other thing was that I had been led to believe that when Mark Zuckerberg put $419 million of his money into the election system, that this was like bipartisan help for COVID relief. It wasn't, that was a lie. It was an overtaking of governmental election offices, which are supposed to be preserved from partisan politics to run the Democratic get-out-the-vote operation, and they focused on blue cities and counties in swing states, you know, Philadelphia to turn Pennsylvania, and the, the cities in Wisconsin to turn Wisconsin, Atlanta to turn Georgia, and it was plotted out, very savvy, completely wrong. I mean, they just brought in an army of left-wingers to run Democratic operations in inside our governmental election offices, and it was really effective for them.
0: We're talking to Molly Hemingway, a terrific writer, also the author of one of the hottest books out there right now, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Molly, uh, you know, listen, there are two people out there who I think are the, the biggest narrative busters on the right. I'll, I'll throw Sean Davis in there, too. You, Sean, and, and Tucker, uh, you, you, you go throw a hit with an S in front of it, a grenade in the tent, and a heartbeat if you think you think you, you think something's up no matter the media penalty, and you're frequently attacked for it, like Tucker and Sean are as well. But the weird thing is you usually turn out to be right. I mean, you, you would debunk the hoax, Russia hoax immediately. You had shown the Spygate uh, story to not be a hoax. But doesn't it speak to the power of the media over our you know, collective Borg-like psyche in this country on the left right now that people like you, me, Sean, Tucker... Greg Jarrett, John Solomon—we're all considered by the by the mainstream quote misinformation specialists—and yet we've been right about everything. Like, there's nothing in your book you don't back up with footnotes. The Zuckerbuck's thing happened. The Russian thing was a hoax. It's like, the, the, again, does it not speak to the power of the media that we're considered the outsiders, and yet we were actually factually correct the entire time?
1: Oh, it's amazing. But I also think that it's important that people celebrate the marginalizing of our corporate media I mean they do they have so much power they set narratives mm, they they do horrible things with their power and they are in my view the most powerful unaccountable political actors in the country but on the other hand nobody's believing their BS anymore and that's good and I mean Democrats are and that's bad but Their credibility is at an all time low. I think the latest Gallup poll had nine percent of Republicans believing corporate media and only like a third of independents. If not for Democrats, they would just be totally in in the toilet. But I do think that more needs to be done by other leaders on the right. A lot of the power these people have is because for some reason, conservative leaders grant them power and they treat them like they're operating in good faith. These people participated in dangerous hoaxes. They should not be moderating debates or setting agendas or telling us what we can and can't talk about. And so leaders need to push back much harder against them.
0: We're talking to Molly Hemingway, again, author of uh, the hottest, one of the hottest books out there right now. uh, Rigged, how the media, big tech and our Democrats seized our elections. That's exactly what they did. You know, Molly, you're right. And I wonder... I, there's a number of theories on there how the media degenerated to this point. One of them I heard, which is, is, is quite credible, is, you know, the media now has to rely on subscriptions more than anything, given that, you know, the advent of social media and free sharing of content that that's their money base, that's their arteries, that's their that's their bloodline. Right. It's subscriptions. So they've gone more from just, you know, I mean, they were never really journalists, but you get the point. it's gotten worse. They've gotten now towards just almost full time activism because they're afraid of losing their sub base. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm sure it plays a part. But it's just incredible how they control the narrative on just about everything. And you're right, some of these fake conservatives cater to it. I mean, the silence on James Ver- uh, James O'Keefe and Veritas. This is an un- unbelievable attack on freedom of the press. The Russia hoax, which you, I, and hundreds of others laughed at. We're like, this is so ridiculous, right? The covering up for Joe Biden's failures, you know, Hunter Biden and the the blowhole paintings, and then the big guy stuff. Uh, You know, the celebrating of obvious double standards. You know, Lois Lerner gets off and Eric Holder for contempt charges, and yet Steve Bannon finds himself in handcuffs. You know, you would think at some point they'd hit rock bottom and say, yeah, yeah, we are kind of frauds and hypocrites. Maybe we should take a more balanced approach. But it doesn't seem like that's happening. Well, I think
1: part of it is that it's working well for them. So I I remember it was in August that President Trump mocked The Atlantic for losing 10 to $20 million a year. But I think that's a bargain for the people who are losing 10 to $20 million a year. I mean, these are billionaires who are able to use places like The Atlantic to funnel fake news, like their fake Ein Marn story that Donald Trump supposedly disparaged dead Marines, which was not true. And yet, for just the bargain of 10 to $20 million, they were able to feed that into the media ecosystem. It even shows up in one of these presidential debates. And why would they change when things are going so well? Like, yeah, the Russia hoax was an obviously stupid lie, as was the Kavanaugh allegations, as were the, um, all these other things like about, uh, the Covington boy, you know, they, they just lie, but they kind of get good political outcomes from it. So people need to not just tear down the credit, you know, the, to, to acknowledge the lack of credibility these places have, but also support people who are showing that they are liars and showing what the true stories are. Um, that's important. They, they, they have far too much corporate support at these awful media outlets.
0: Yeah, they do. And, and, you know, the Federalists, I know where you write and Sean, who's terrific and Margot Cleveland. I mean, you guys have been amazing. You find yourself under attack, too, by these crazies on the left who, again, pretend to be all about tolerance and coexistence, but they only want to coexist with like minded people. And, you know, you see that now with this Rittenhouse case as well and the really disturbing, troubling coverage of it. I mean, if we were to jump the gun and to go after some of these people the way they went after this this young man, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, we wouldn't be allowed in polite company again, calling him a domestic terrorist with no evidence whatsoever, a white supremacist, no evidence at all of that. And yet they do it. And I think it showed in the prosecution of the trial where you see the prosecutors seem genuinely blindsided by just common sense things. I mean, at one point he's like, hey, uh, you're an outsider coming to Wisconsin or something like that. And Kyle's like, well, you know, my, my dad lives in Wisconsin. And the prosecutor, Molly, looks like stunned. So is the media, you know, really doing these people any favors? It's like they live in an alternate universe that when they're kicked in the cojones with facts, they almost don't know how to respond. I mean, even Eric Wimple from the Washington Post, who's a, is a, my opinion, a clown. You can stay silent on that. But he's like, hey, we got to start reevaluating all our articles about the Russia hoax thing. Gee, now it's uh, what's today's date, Jim? Date check. It's Monday, November 15, 2021. Like now you're reevaluating your coverage. Maybe you should have done that before.
1: Oh, and I love that they correct or retract like two of the pieces. That publication <laughs> right? won a Pulitzer <laughs> for its participation in what was an obvious hoax and so they need to do a lot more than retract a couple stories and put a few corrections on a few others they need to even have hope of being ever taken seriously ever again they need to repent fully renounce themselves (laughs) make massive firings hire people who aren't corrupt hacks i mean the the list of what they need to do is long and they're they're not cutting it with just a couple retractions
0: Uh, molly thanks for your time i want everyone to go pick up uh, molly's book a rigged rigged. don't miss it learn about Zuckerbucks and all the scams and schemes the media is desperately trying to hide about the 2020 election because they don't want to talk about it well molly does you were very brave writing that book and i appreciate everything you do you know fighting for truth liberty and justice uh, over there at the federalist you guys are terrific so thanks for coming on the show we appreciate it
1: thank you dan take care
0: you got it that was molly hemingway folks she is uh She is an Amazon, man. She goes for it. She don't care about any of this crap on the left. You start uh, BSing people, she's going to call you out. That was Molly Hemingway. Up next, we have Senator Ron Johnson, who came on to talk about everything that's happened in Wisconsin, the state he represents over the last couple of weeks. Here's Senator Ron Johnson talking with me about Kenosha, Waukesha, and the state of the country. Check this out. So, we just got an update on that uh, tragic situation in Wisconsin this weekend from the police chief, the mayor, various police officials, and uh, we learned a lot. We learned the names of the people who were uh, tragically killed. This is just a, a really tough story to talk about. Um, here to comment on it, though, Senator Ron Johnson from the state of Wisconsin, a good man. Um, Senator uh your thought welcome to the show first we appreciate you coming on, but um, your thoughts on this tragedy in Wisconsin this weekend
2: Well Dan well it was a horrific tragedy. I just finished listening to the press conference here I mean you can just see how law enforcement you know how how they were affected by this I mean you listen to Chief Thompson, you listen to uh, mayor Riley uh, th- these are people that were at the scene, they described it as a war zone. But you know, you just can't help but understand how profoundly sad this is, and the effect not only on the the victims and their family, the, the those that died, those that are still, those are injured, they're in the hospital, critically ill. But just just the people in the par- that were watching the parade, they were there to see Santa Claus, they were there to see marching yeah. bands and the dancing grannies, and instead they saw yeah. something. This horrific that will haunt them for you know the rest of their lives i mean it's just this is just yeah. it's just evil dan it's evil it's just terrible thing that is. happens that this happens in any community It's uh no it's just, it's just awful
0: and senator you're i mean you obviously you hold an elected office you're a united states senator from wisconsin you obviously won you run you won races you I can't imagine me having run for office myself. I was in, I don't know, 200 parades. You go down the parade route. You know how it works. You bring a couple campaign people with you, some volunteers. They give out candy for, you know, there was the Autumn Glory Festival in Western Maryland I used to go to every year. You know, you give out campaign little widgets and gizmos to kids and everybody's having a good time and you're waving to people. You know, some people boo you, some people cheer you. It's just a good time. It's all. And then, as you just said, to have these people who go there for this really great event in a great I mean, Americana, uh, it, it, and, and just to come away with these now horrible memories, I, I think that's that's the greatest tragedy of all.
2: Well, Then it comes from behind, too. I mean, that's kind of a small point, but you've seen the video that yeah. uh, one group you know, waving their flags, and this car just goes streaking by him. And, you know, fortunately, yeah. for th- those individuals, he missed them. but just plowed into other people from, ah, it's just, no, it's just... It's just awful yeah. um yeah i'm, I'm, I'm gonna yeah he- I'm, I'm glad they're, they're holding a, a prayer vigil i'm, I'm gonna be leaving charlie and, and just go and just be there with community
0: that's the best you can do i uh, you know as i said before i was having a tough time talking about it I, I wish i was more eloquent but as you just said sometimes the best you can do is just let people know you're there for him. I mean, that's the best you can do. But um, again, thank you for taking the time. We're talking to Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin Senator. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts about another case that's profoundly impacted Wisconsin. Again, I wish it didn't. But the Rittenhouse case, um, I, I mean, if this isn't now, you were one of the um, loud voices on the Hunter Biden case uh, speaking out against the misinformation, disinformation campaigns by the left. You were speaking the truth in that case from the beginning. But what's really disappointing is, you know, nothing seems to change, Senator. The Rittenhouse case from the beginning was a series of false talking points relayed by the media. I mean, let's just go through a few. He was carrying a short barreled rifle. False. He had crossed state lines with a rifle. False. His mom dropped him off in Kenosha. False. He had no attachment to Kenosha. False. He shot black men. False. False. The judge in the case is a Republican racist False. I mean, is, is anything ever going to change with these people? These are facts, Senator. These aren't opinions. They were all wrong.
2: No, but they'll never admit they're wrong. And you know, it's, it is the media. It's the social media that are just exacerbating the divide in this country. Um, it, it, it was amazing to watch that trial and, and, you know, actually see the the scenes, and I, I I wasn't able to watch a lot of it, but you know, it was extensive coverage, so you saw a lot of the testimony. And you know, to me, it seemed like a pretty clear cut case of self defense. It has been for quite some yeah. time as the as the information has been uh, coming out on this thing. But then to see, you know, certainly the cl- conclusion I drew, and that Fox and you know other you know talk radio was was drawing on this, and then you listen to CNN and MSNBC. It's like, what I mean, how can you look at the same reality and come, a, come away right. with two completely versions of the fact? Now, uh, let me just say, I am so proud of the jurors. I don't know who they are, but, you know, the judge, you know, under the intimidation, the death threats, they, they deliberated, they deliberated carefully. And from my standpoint, they reached the right conclusion, but they did that in the face of intimidation. And, you know, kind of going back to what happened yesterday, can, can we just be honest about something? It, what happened yesterday never should have happened. That, that monster, Daryl Brooks, should be behind bars. He never should have been left out. But it is the left, it is, it is Democrat governance that is, is for no bail or minimal bail or just kind of a, a revolving door in terms of incarceration for very dim, dangerous criminals, whether it's people, you know, that they're, they're letting into the country multiple times that commit crimes, or now in this case, you know, this Darrell Brooks that should have been behind bars. He never should have been behind the wheel of that car. Th- these people should be alive today. They should still be celebrating what would have, should have been a joyous Christmas parade, but he's not. And, and there is a political movement that is responsible for these things. There is a political movement that is responsible for this division. and It is the left it is the left. There's a political movement of lawlessness of chaos. Wow. Let's, let's just be honest about that.
0: No, I'm glad you said that Senator, because I, I had it segues actually perfectly from my last segment, even though it was unintended. I didn't even know you were going to bring that up. I had said in my last, uh, uh, my last segment that, you know, when you're when you go through police academies and the Federal Law Enforcement Academy, you learn a lot about crime, who commits crime, why they do it. Obviously, I mean, it's part of your training. And one of the things that always stood out to me is, Senator, there's a very, very small number of people in this country, thankfully, that commit the overwhelming number of crimes. It's not just the 80-20 rule, 20 percent of the people committing. It's not even that. It's like the, the 595 rule like less than 5% of the people commit an overwhelming number of crimes. So when you let these career criminals out in what I believe you accurately called out as a dopey policy of, you know, no cash bail or bail reform, you get the same people out. Why would it surprise you that they go on to commit crimes? It's not that we don't know this stuff.
2: Yeah. Again, this never should have happened. This, this is a breakdown in the criminal justice system. In Milwaukee, which has been governed by Democrats for decades, and it's spilling over into law-abiding communities like Waukesha. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying these things in, in a moment like this, but they have to be said. People have yeah, I don't to think you to need to be sorry, Senator. I,
0: I No, I don't think you need to be sorry. I think your statement is spot on accurate. And I think if more people had the guts to say it, even in moments of tragedy like this, maybe we wouldn't have to have these conversations in moments of tragedy because it wouldn't be so many moments of tragedy. I think you are perfectly entitled to say that. That is an effort to save people's lives. You know exactly what you're saying. And what you're saying is correct. These people doing this deserve to be called out, Senator. I mean, these people out there, you accurately stated, are getting people killed. You have de Blasio in New York, the—you uh, know some of the DAs in even a place like Wisconsin, a relatively red-leaning state. You have these George Soros-funded prosecutors. That's a fact. That's not a conspiracy theory. In places like San Francisco, leading to mass looting events like we're living in The Walking Dead. You are perfectly, as, as, as a public servant, entitled to bring that up and try to correct this thing. I applaud you. You don't need to apologize for anything.
2: I think it's just watching that uh, press conference, and you see the emotion there and realizing you know, some tragedies can't be f- prevented. This one never should have happened. That's what's oh, right. so infuriating about this.
0: You're right. Senator, while I've got you, get a few minutes with you. We're talking to Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Good man. Senator, I hate to shift gears after such a tragedy, but I, I, I got a lot I want to get to with you. And uh, this spending bill, this bill back worse plan by Joe Biden. You know, you're in the Senate every day. It's obviously a limited body compared to the House with their 435 members. You guys are smaller, obviously. So you probably all know each other. I would assume I, I'd assume, I, I'd assume uh, you know, you're, you're, you guys talk. And even if the, the party on the other side, you probably get a good feel for who they are. Where do you see Mansion and Cinema on this thing? It, it passed the House. It's a disastrous bill. It's even worse than their so-called infrastructure bill. Uh, this could really bankrupt us and cause inflation like we haven't seen before. Even though we're already in an inflationary crisis, you think Mansion and Cinema are going to fold on this?
2: Well, I, I hope they don't. Uh, I, I actually walked with Joe Manchin from the Hard Building over the Capitol a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just conveyed him, I said, I've, I've got my supporters sending me the emails that they're sending out to their friends praying for Joe Manchin in Kyrsten Cinema. They're see, they're seeing how they are being abused and harassed and protested by their own supporters. Um, and so I, I just said, you know, uh, my supporters are sending out emails asking their friends to pray for you. And I also said, Joe, you know, it's not very often uh, in, human, in U.S. history where one or two individuals can literally change the course of history. We, we are on a very dangerous path now, Joe. I mean, we, we can't afford the entitlements we've got. We need to fix those. We need to make those sustainable. We have to stop mortgaging our children's futures. So, Joe, again, I, I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do, but I, I'm just telling you, just please, please consider what path this nation's on and how you can affect it.
0: I mean, Senator, you were a businessman. You are not a, you know, you weren't a career politician. You were a business guy before you came into the Senate, the United States Senate, in the great state of Wisconsin. I, I, I've got to imagine, you know, in business, you probably did what most. I'm a business guy myself. You have spreadsheets, you have net present value of a project. You have, you know, lines in a spreadsheet about income lines and expense lines. And you try to figure out if a project's going to be profitable or not. I mean, I wish we could all predict the future. Every business would be profitable ever, ever. but sometimes you can. The point here is you don't need to make any predictions. We are mathematically going bankrupt. We have 20 plus trillion dollars in debt. We're racking up trillions more every year. No one, Senator, no one anywhere is predicting a balanced budget anytime in the future and yet, we continue to do the same thing over and over again. I mean, this has to be, for a business guy like yourself, the most frustrating experience of your entire life.
2: Dan, we've put so much more time and effort into analyzing a $10 million investment in a piece of equipment or a new plant. Right. Vastly more time and effort that goes into a $10 million investment versus, what, a 2 3 $4, 5000000000000 trillion spending boondoggle? No, I mean it, right. it is. It is. It bothers your mind, you know how how. Pardon my French. Half-assed, yeah. The federal government yeah. is, and and this process is. I mean, I'm sorry. But the people passing this stuff, voting for this stuff, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. No, you know, they the, don't. The, the type of long-term damage this type of spending, this kind of cre- debt creation, is going to do to future gener- to generations. They just know that it's popular. And it might get them votes.
0: Yeah, which again is such an abdication of your responsibility as a public servant. I can't get. I mean, we're going bankrupt. There's no doubt about it. And everybody's going to look back after it happened. Go. I don't know what happened. What do you mean? What happened? We spent money we didn't have for fifty years. I mean, what, what did you think was going to happen, Senator Ron Johnson? Thanks again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a really happy, wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. Thanks for coming on.
2: Same to you. Stay well.
0: Okay, up next, we talk with Margot Cleveland about an election whistleblower in Pennsylvania and a troubling video about the 2020 election. Here's Margot Cleveland on a Pennsylvania election whistleblower, a troubling video, and also on defamation law in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. Margo Cleveland, thanks for joining the show. I'm sorry you had to listen to that, Margo. I just, uh, I can't believe the country is decaying into such unbelievable madness. And maybe it's just social media, Margo, now that we're seeing it more than it. But gosh, a guy in a wheelchair in New York City getting beaten up. You know, your, your quick thoughts on that. These crazy liberals causing this chaos everywhere.
3: You know, it's funny. I was right before I got on with you. I was on Twitter, and there's this great quote that Technofog. You probably follow him.
0: Oh, Travis, he's the best. Uh, yeah, he, Technofog. He, I mean,
3: Tra- yes, he's great. But he had an article the other day, and he had this great quote. It was, "We we're living a top-down revolution, and it's causing death at the bottom." And if you think about it, that's spot on. We've got all the liberal elites who are getting rid of veil. Getting rid of enforcing laws, letting crimes that are you know, victimless—I'm using you know scare quotes there—go. And who's suffering? It's the people at the bottom, not the elitists with their private security. It is the people of Kenosha who had their buildings burnt. It is the people in New York who are you know in wheelchairs where there's the police are not enforcing the law, and it, it's just horrifying.
0: Yeah, it is. We're talking to Margot Cleveland. Uh, I, I can't believe we haven't spoken sooner. I'm almost like uh, offended at myself. Margot is just a spectacular writer at The Federalist. You'd be doing yourself an enormous service to follow her everywhere on all the social media platforms. Read her pieces at The Federalist. You had a piece up today about you know you and i do facts okay we're not leftist journalists we covered spygate and the russia hoax fairly footnoted everything i i I used you in my book follow the money so extensively you might have wrote a chapter yourself without even (laughs) knowing it it's i have so many of your footnotes in there but what i'm always bothered by with with the left-wing media is they're not willing to investigate anything and there's this video that's emerged out of delaware county pennsylvania you have a piece up in the federalist about it today Can you describe to us what's going on there? Because the video at first glance appears to be two public officials and be just being candid about what we see uh, conspiring to destroy some election equipment, which is kind of weird.
3: It is. It is. So there are actually four videos that I've um, received from a source who is involved in or close to some litigation that was just filed late last week in Pennsylvania. And there are more videos out there, but of the four, there are uh, three that are really looking at the destruction of the evidence from the 2020 election. And just you know, to make clear, we're not talking about them changing the results, but what we're talking about is the material, the backup support being destroyed. So in one of them you have two individuals talking and one is saying to get rid of some uh, some equipment and the other guy says it's it's actually pads and scanners and the other gentleman on the recording says we can't talk about it anymore and the first one says why he says it's a felony and that is the end of the clip but if you look at the lawsuit what the allegation in there is that there was a whistleblower who was in the room and after there was a encouragement to have a private conversation because there were other people in the room and the same individual was taping some of the other things that were going on, including the destruction of tapes that were showing the results from the voting machines. And all of this appears to be triggered by a right to know request that was served on Delaware County in Pennsylvania. So this is all coming from the allegations of the lawsuit and those videos were filed along with the lawsuit. It's linked in my article. You can, you know, watch them for yourself. Yeah, they're little snippets. They don't have the whole thing there, which would be pretty much impossible to do anyway. But you read that in conjunction with what the lawsuit is alleging, and it is really disturbing.
0: It is. We're talking to Margot Cleveland, writes for The Federalist. Follow her on social media. You can see the videos on her social media account. She's on Twitter. Um, Margot, I, I guess that begs the question, and, I, and I, you know, you're a fax person. You do facts. You're a lawyer. Very smart. You never get out ahead of your skis. But it just begs the obvious question, if it wasn't going to change anything, then why would you be on a, a hidden camera recording with a whistleblower destroying, you know, election tapes. I mean, right. I'm willing to entertain things. Maybe it's sure. just because you just want to, I don't know, piss some people off. Yeah, right. hey, we're not going <laughs> to give you that. Burn uh, it. I mean, well, no, I mean, well, listen, Occam's razor, right? We got to, we got to, we, we, we have to entertain all possible uh, things here and go with the one that has the most parsimony. Sure. So what do you well, think?
3: Well, there are actually two things I am kind of, I was laughing when you said just to piss some people off because some of the allegations and the complaint actually indicate that's kind of what was going on in other areas that instead of just handing the material over, they mixed it up to make it hard for the people who are actually trying to review it. You might say, well, why would you do that? And really why would you do that unless it was to just <laughs> piss it off and make people <laughs> angry. But the second part of it is why destroy this evidence? And this is where one of the videos itself kind of gives a hint. And the guy says, Look, this stuff has no audit value. In other words, and this is from a a source close to this lawsuit, that this data would not support their numbers. And like I said, there was a fourth video that I didn't discuss in this article that I'm going to bring up another time, but it was talking about some um, missing and kind of improperly cared for, I'm not sure if they call them V-chips, but it was basically the data from the computer systems. It was a mess. I mean, this election was just a mess in this county. And if you look at the video, you can see at the end, they're kind of zooming in on what some of the documents are. And there are things such as that these numbers don't add up or we're missing this or missing that. So the theory behind this was that they were getting rid of the evidence that showed that they violated election laws, that they didn't follow the procedures, and that these numbers didn't have the tally support that they should have had they followed the procedures. So again, not necessarily that they were wrong, but that it confirmed that they violated the election
0: laws. (laughs) You know, Margo, talking to Margo Cleveland, writes for the Federalist about some Emerging video, hidden video taken out of Pennsylvania with some really serious allegations of election malfeasance. As you said, you know, we don't get out ahead of our skis, but this just seems like... This goes from bad to worse, right? So there's obviously an election with a lot of shenanigans, okay? Obviously, we had millions of mail-in ballots the first time, coronavirus pandemic, all this stuff going on. Pennsylvania had this illegal change in voting laws. It was clearly unconstitutional, right? You think the best way to clear it up would be to say something like, hey, transparency, sunlight's the best disinfectant. There were obvious problems. We get that. But to show you that it didn't impact the results, we're going full open kimono, Margo. You can see everything, warts and all. You'll see this. Yes, there were mistakes. You'll see this. There were errors. Yes, there was some confusion. But you'll also see this. The results weren't changed or whatever. They can't even get that right. And then what they do is they create this downward spiral where we trust them even less because each time we ask for more information, it results in another collusion attempt and conspiracy attempt to shut us off from the information. This just gets worse the more you try to hide it.
3: It does. It does. One of those scenarios where the, the cupboard is worse than crime. Who knows exactly what that would have shown, but the hiding it and what you're seeing on tape is pretty, pretty damning. You also have to keep in mind here, the only reason we know this is because someone actually taped it. Have they made these allegations and just file this in the lawsuit with no video behind it. Everyone all oh, this right. is just some wacko conspiracy theory. Oh,
0: gosh. Imagine? Me and you, we all oh, fact checkers would be all over, Margo. Fact check. This is BS. Speculation. Missing context. You know, that would happen. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I uh, have a few more minutes. I want to get you in on one more thing. You're a really sure. talented lawyer. And just switching gears a minute. Folks, by the way, read her piece today. The Federalist. Margo Cleveland, it is in there today about this Pennsylvania law. It's in my newsletter, bongino.com slash newsletter, or you can go to the Federalist and read it there as well. Um, Margo, again, you're a lawyer. Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, this case against Joe Biden. Um, Joe Biden clearly before he was the president, I believe, defamed him by implying or directly saying that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. Um, That is not backed up by the facts. Do you think he has a legitimate case in court? That'll, that'll get past that dreaded discovery stage there where he could potentially win against a president of the United States?
3: Unfortunately not, because
0: oh. most
3: courts are going to say calling someone a, a white supremacist is like calling them a racist. And most courts say calling someone a racist is an opinion. You can't prove it. You can't disprove it. It's not like saying they discriminated against someone because of their race. So I don't think he has a case against Biden. But really, the case against Biden shouldn't be in court. He should be getting a political punishment. He should be getting pummeled by the American public. How dare he accuse this kid, this teenager, of being a white supremacist?
0: No, it's disgusting. Then, it's disgusting.
3: It's just, I, right, he should but Marga- have political payback.
0: I, I, and, and listen, I, this is, I, I love having people on the show who intellectually stimulate me and don't just tow the company line. I don't want to hear the company line. I want to hear your actual legal opinion. But having said that, is this, I mean, do you see it as a cut and dried case or do you see it as it depends what judge you get? I mean, I've been involved in defamation cases where people defame me and I asked six lawyers their opinion and got 22 opinions. Um, oh, absolutely. So about the... You know, what I mean, you, really, you think it's cut and dried or, or it's just your opinion it's not a very good case?
3: You know, I think that it's more cut and dry than not a good case because I actually recently had done some research on what if you call someone a racist and the overwhelming majority of cases say calling someone a racist is an opinion. And that to me is pure, you know, very analogous to white supremacists. Now I'd have to know what state law applies. I'd have to dig through the the work. I don't think that would matter what judge it was because the trial judge is going to be bound by what the appellate courts say is opinion versus fact. So I think most Americans, when you say someone is a white supremacist, they interpret that as a fact, but the courts don't. They look at it as an opinion because how do you prove it? What are you going to do? Bring him in and say, yeah. well, do you hold this view? Do you hold that view? So I, I, I think that it's a pretty cut and dry that he's not going to have a case on that. But all the more reason for us to hit Biden for what he did politically. Yeah, make him
0: pay politically. Yeah, people exactly. have raised some GoFundMe to pay his defamation fees. Anyway, Well, I got 30 seconds left, but quick thoughts. Calling him a murderer, though, is different, like Tiffany Cross implied on MSNBC. Murder, is a legal term. Is, is she could she be in trouble for that?
3: You know that that's one where I'm not sure because you know I think O.J. Simpson's a murderer. Am I going to get sued for saying that? So yeah. you know I, I don't know how that how that uh, plays out. And I that one I I'm in the middle on. I could go both ways yeah. on that. So yeah, all
0: right. Well, Margot, thank you for your informed, responsible opinion. I love your writing. Uh, we'll have you. We'll definitely have you back. You were terrific. Thanks for joining us.
3: Oh, thanks so much, Dan. Take care.
0: That was our interview with Margot Cleveland from the radio show last week. Thanks for tuning in today. You can hear me every weekday across the country and over 300 radio stations. Go to Bongino.com and click on Station Finder to find out where I'm on near you. And always, uh, I always appreciate you listening to the podcast as well. Thanks for listening. I will see you all on Monday. You just heard Dan Bongino.